0: So thanks again everyone for coming. This is it's great great to be together with everybody and uh, I put together a little bit of something to talk about that's, that's on my heart, not because I've got this all figured out and I'm just bestowing you know some some stuff to you. It's something that I'm struggling with too. So remember that, you know, I'm just here passing on stuff that I'm learning and, and still trying to figure out how to get it in me. You know, and so this is something we have to be very intentional about, um, having to do with our habits and how we um, how we live out our faith, so that we're not we're not the same as as people who don't believe. Um, so when you make that choice, you know, make uh, make your life reflect that, as uh, Jesus and um, his followers did. One little quick prayer. Get God into this. Even more, God, please, um, please give me the Holy Spirit and, and speak through me. Um, as as my mind fumbles, uh, take the ball and, and run with it, please, and um, and just help me to learn along with everyone else what you have to say. And uh, bless it. Thanks. So, the passage I'm reading from is in Daniel uh, chapter six, verse ten, from the NIV. Some of us may already know the story of Daniel, Daniel in the Lion's Den, if you uh, were exposed to any uh, flannel graphs in the past um, Sunday school, that kind of stuff. Um, You may be familiar. But if you're not, um, there's this guy, Daniel, and and, uh, he's got some, some cool stuff. There's this one verse. It says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So when I read this, I, I think, you know, there's a, the decree that it's talking about is, you know, Daniel was always um, methodically, regularly reaching out to God. He had a relationship with God. It was not something forced, you know, in... It wasn't like, oh, I really got to do this Kind of back and forth sort of thing It was just, it was just this is just how his life was You know, there's certain things that we, we have habits That we just do every day Without even really having to think about it You know, um, maybe getting up for work or something This might be the, the basic thing um, But there were people who were, who were irritated by Daniel You know, he was blessed so much When you're blessed in your life there are other people who see that and they don't know what it is, but it just bugs the heck out of it out of them. They want you to they want to see you fall. And Daniel's no exception to that. So so they they crafted a way to make this this law to trick the king into making a law that anyone who bows to anyone any god besides you, O oh king, you know, this guy and they're appealing to the you know, the selfish you know, glory nature that someone who has totalitarian leadership might be drawn to. This is a recurring theme in the Bible, might add. Um and so so he passes this this law and it can't be reversed. There's a special thing about these laws. If if a king decrees something, if he's kind of in this godlike position of power, then he can't change his mind about it. It it goes and it and it keeps going, like a big heavy boulder rolling down a hill. You don't you don't change its mind and make it do a U-turn. It just keeps rolling. So so this decree has been passed, which puts Daniel in danger from this culture and the society and the, and the laws around him. But as we read this, it seems like he's not afraid at all. It, he's unwavering. He just does exactly what he does because he knows who his ultimate authority is. And I think that's inspiring. So there's, there's three takeaways that I get from this passage, and then we'll kind of explore a little bit from each of them. The first one that I get from this is, is honor God before men. You know, that's the one thing that really gives Daniel clarity as he goes through this thing. You know, like, I think it would be, it would be stressful at some point when you actually think, like, I could be killed for this. If you're thinking about the world around you more than the world above or the world you know in God's kingdom, it's easy to be afraid because you're looking at that thing. If you're afraid of heights, you're looking at where your body is going to hit. And that's what brings you fear. You're not looking up at where you're climbing to. And in the same way, in the spiritual realm, if we don't honor God before men, if God's not the greater respect, fear, um, focus in our lives... Then we're going to be afraid of man, and God's going to be kind of an afterthought. It's easy to fall into that because God's not physically bumping against me in the same way, you know. People in my surroundings are yelling in my ear, or you know, shaking their fists from a car that's driving down the road. There's all these interactions we have that you can't really ignore. Um, and with God, when He's speaking with a still small voice it's easy to miss if we're not listening for it so honor God before men Daniel did not pray more publicly because there was a new law to defy it and prove a point in our American culture a lot of times we kind of want to take the banner and say oh we've got something that we can rebel against you know and kind of mask that as a way of honoring God so some people might kind of have this mixed um, motives for some things that they do but he didn't pray more publicly. He didn't like get a megaphone if they had them, you know, to you know be on this praying on the street corners because now I know, you know, I'm going to stand up here with pride. He didn't do this, you know, to try to get all political about it. He prayed because he honored God consistently. He was not changing. He didn't let the culture around him dictate how he's going to react. You know, if it's a, a rushing river going down. He's, he's one of those boulders that the water has to hit and then go around. Because he's consistent, he's grounded. He's built on the rock. So whether anyone was looking or not, he did not change his actions as his surroundings changed. He lived with integrity. That's really kind of the basis of what integrity is. And another one of my favorite verses, probably because it's an area where when I fall short of I really feel starved, or I really feel kind of empty, like a shell, spiritually, when I, when I let my spiritual filling up fall by the wayside, because I'm so busy, I needed to get this done, I needed to get that done, and then I'm like, it's been several days or weeks since I've really just sat down with God and spent some time alone with Him, and you don't want to be at that point. It's, it's, it would be like being so busy that you're like, I forgot to eat breakfast. And lunch. And dinner. And then breakfast the next day, like, your stomach is going to start <laughs> beating you up from the inside. And you're going to notice that. And so you really got to wake up your spiritual appetite so that you can feel those hunger pains and get back with God. Because you don't want to die off in that part of your life. So this verse I really love because it's Jesus himself and his habits. In Mark 1.35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark... Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This is something that really strikes me because, you know, of all the things that we want to add to our schedule, we really have this kind of sacred, you know, nature of how we treat our sleep. Some of us are morning people, some of us are night people, so it's kind of a little bit more of a battle. You're like, well, this is good enough that I'll add another thing later at night before I go to bed. Or I'll stay up a little later to watch, you know, this documentary or the show. But when, when you think, like, well, would I get up at five in the morning to do this? Or sometime before work? That's a little bit more like, well, it better be really worth it, you know? <laughs> How many of us has some activity that's not like, you know, our life depending on it? That where we're going to get up while it's still dark to do, you know? And for me, it's like school... Or work. You know, I have a commute this you know, whatever, and you just reverse engineer it and say I have to leave at this time, otherwise I probably won't have a job if I'm consistently not showing up. So you've got these like big things, but but why is God not at least on the same level as work of like, This is a big deal. I don't wanna, you know, mess this up. But Jesus made it a priority, he got up while it was still dark and did that not that it's a formula and you have to do it always in the morning some of us learn better at different times our brains are kind of in different parts of the learning process I I tend to learn better in the morning because it sticks with me echoes through the day and sometimes it prepares me for challenges that are ahead so think about your life what is important enough to get up early for I was talking about the schoolwork work an, or an emergency you know if you have a pregnant wife it's like I'm in labor you're like this is worth getting up for you know um, yeah. <laughs> Don't we have a person for that? Doesn't health cover that? Um, we have to sacrifice something uh, to achieve a greater goal of education, income, or safety. Intimacy intimacy with God and discernment. You know, His leading. Uh, knowing what the right and the wrong thing is for us in this situation. is far more valuable to us than uh, and those that we're responsible for in the long run. We, we're, God's always pushing us to think longer term. We're always tempted to think short term. What's for, what's in it for me right now? What's in it for me next year? But not what's in it for me for eternity. And we need to be thinking longer term. Because that's, that's what wisdom guides us to do. It's putting off the short term while thinking of the long term. So if Jesus made it a priority to spend time... To get to know God better. To get intimate with God. And he was God. How much more do we need. Critically to, to make that a priority for us. To spend time with God. We who follow him. Should do that. Should know where he is. We've got to know which way we're going to follow him. Which way he's going. The second point that I get from this verse in Daniel. Is make your regular contact with God as consistent as your need for food. This is a big. This is a big undertaking. Like some of us are like, well, if I read once a week, or, you know, um, really, really be serious about it. And I, and I, some of us are tempted to really set big, giant goals. You know, when we'll just, I'm going to read like the whole Bible in 72 hours over the next week. You know, and. It's like, whoa, if you want to do that. But really, you really got to look at yourself honestly and think, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to follow through with? And you, know, you got to pace yourself for your whole life. You've got to think what... You want to set a small enough goal that you'll succeed and that you'll be hungering for more time with God. Because the consistency is way more important than the quantity. Because you, if you blast through the whole New Testament in a month and don't read again for the next five years, yeah. you're not going to learn to love God more as if you read a verse or a chapter a day. And just, you know, something that was easy enough that you couldn't say like, oh, well, of course I've got time to do that. It's just like, you know, working out or some other thing. Like if you, if you say like, well, I'm going to do 10 push-ups when I get out of bed. That's going to be better for a lot of people than it is to say I'm going to join a gym and have a personal trainer and work out for two hours every day. Like A lot of us aren't going to follow through with some of those ambitious goals. So start small, something you know you can do, and uh, just keep getting up when when you miss a day. Have you ever worried so much about something that you stopped doing the one thing that you could do to help the situation? For a lot of us, that's prayer. You know, we think about, you know, things that we worry about. Like, oh, if I work a little overtime, then we can figure out this financial problem. If I did a little of this, did a little of that. But a lot of times, this, the simplest and the most powerful solution is just get with God. Say, God, you just got to check in with Him and find out where He wants, wants you to go. a lot of times, you're going to save yourself so much. Of the spinning wheels in your in your head, and just say like, "Oh, God has the simpler solution. It's not what you expect." And you know, God God He's creative. It's <laughs> kind of the initial, the only original creator. You know, He He's the only one who can create from nothing. We can make things out of materials, but God creates from nothing. So we're more crafters, and He's more the creator. You may have a lot of issues vying for your attention So you don't look at prayer and quiet time as With God as a Luxury you can't afford right now It is necessary to keep You spiritually nourished and connected To the only one who can handle all things And guide you in the To the right path for your situation So some people will look at it like I don't have time for the luxury Of hanging out with God And just ruminating on His word, that kind of stuff But it's like just like eating, you need it. You need it to, to grow and to be healthy. So so uh, get your dose of God. No matter how busy you are, whether you're on vacation, whether you're having the most hectic work day ever, you know, plug in. Even if it's just reading that one verse that gets you through it, like you're like, I know this is going to be a big one. Here's a verse uh, that's enc- always been encouraging to me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now I think about straight paths, and like, well, there's so much imagery in the in the Bible. You can just read it, and it's, it comes across as like poetic. Like, oh, that sounds nice. But when you really break it down and think about like, what does that mean? Why would he say paths straight? Why would you know? Why would he say everything would be easy for you? Well, he he didn't say that, so. Sorry. (laughs) He didn't say it was going to be easy. Um, But I really like this passage because it gives me a set of corrections. It's kind of like a test. I can read it and think like, oh, these are some things I need to really focus on. A set of corrections I need to make to keep on track with God. Not letting my own short-sighted decisions control my path. God makes our path straight because he leads us with the end in mind. So when you have this kind of zigzaggy switchbacks, you're not seeing the goal. You're not seeing the end. But if you have a perfectly straight you know, freeway into the sunset, you can see that little vanishing point you know, at the end of the path with the sun setting and stuff. And that's a straight path. That's the only way that you actually see that end goal. And God is always reminding us of that end in mind. And if he doesn't show it to us, he's still leading us on a straight path. Sometimes we just have to trust, even though we're seeing this foggy, Straight path. We're only seeing, you know, so many feet in front of us. And we wish we saw more, but a lot of times it's God's mercy that keeps us from showing more. Because it might overwhelm us even more to see some of the things he's got in store for us. Um, so for another illustration, think of a chalk line that a carpenter might use. If the other end is not held in place tightly, a straight line can't be made. So God's holding the other end of that. And if you're not holding the other end of that firmly... Then, when he snaps his fingers, you're not going to have that straight line. You're going to have this wiggly, like, dusty thing that really isn't doing much good. So, um, the two points and the tension is what makes it. Sometimes we pray for the tension to go away, but, you know, God knows, knows better than us. When God's not allowed to lead, we change directions often and take more wrong turns and detours, keeping us far from where he would have chosen to lead us. So you've done things different ways. Some of us have taken some detours and some some different directions. And like, well, I know God wants me to go this way, but this seems like more fun, you know. So I'm going to just jaunt over here and jaunt over there. And then it's always, you know, you know, uh, looking back, you have the 2020 vision. You're like, ah, oh, if only I knew when I was 20, you know, then I would have invested, you know, or I would have done stuff to prepare for this or that. Um. But that's part of that's part of you know humility before God is to just give it to Him and know He knows what's best for us, and that we don't have to understand why we're making this decision or that decision. You're not going to regret following God in that way. The third takeaway from that verse in Daniel is uh, be thankful to God for everything He is. Make that the source of your contentment. A lot of us, when we think, let's pray to thank God for something. We're thanking God that He gave us our job. We're thanking God for our house, for the health of our kids, or you know all these different things. You know that He's done like a checklist. Like, well, I'm glad that I you know, I can I can walk. You know, I'm glad that I can see. You know, there's all these different things. But Daniel, his faith was so mature and he was so inspirational as we, that's why we read about him and you think like how can he be thrown into a lion's den and still be unwavering like he's not afraid he's just like I'm going to pray you know I might be thinking like maybe there's a nook or cranny I can jump into in this lion's den and, and get away from you know their claws but Daniel's security was in God and so so he's thankful to God for who he is his thanks don't stop because he was thrown into a pit Because God doesn't change. His circumstances change. Our circumstances change. But if your thanks is in who God is, then no one can take away your joy. It's tempting to thank God only for what He's done for you personally. God is worthy of our thanks even if we don't see evidence right now of His provision. Sometimes we're blind to what God is doing. But if we can trust in His reputation through reading His Word... Or just seeing what he's done, you know, even in our past. Or in someone else's, you know, present. If we can trust in his reputation and goodness now, we will be blessed. John twenty twenty nine says, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. He's talking to Thomas, one of the... Uh, Disciples, who was doubting after Jesus died on the cross, was resurrected, but he didn't... He heard people say he's alive. But he's like, if, if I don't see the holes in his hands and the gash in his side and put my fingers in them, I won't believe. So Jesus shows up and says, here you go, put your finger in there. I'd be a little queasy for that. I'd be like, yeah, I see it, it's good. I believe you know but but Jesus is like you said it so let's let's do this and we don't have to look down at Thomas because he believed he was honest about his hang-ups he made them known and he l- listened to Jesus when Jesus said all right i can work with that but it's interesting that Jesus you know uh highlights how much more blessed we would be if even we don't see, you know, how long would it take for Jesus to go, you know, to show up again and be like, all right, all right, line up, (laughs) put your fingers in in the holes, you know, because we're all kind of this doubting Thomas, you know, at times. I I know I'm, where I'm just like, well, I don't, there's so much I wish I could just give Jesus a hug. I wish I could just like talk to him face to face. Have him explain some of these hang-ups that I'll have about, like, what is, what is this in the Bible? God, like, this is really confusing. You know, what, this situation is so, I don't know how to explain it to anyone else. All my atheist friends are coming to me, like, saying, look at this. And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> I know God is awesome. I know he's good to me. And this is a weird situation, and it's a historical thing. What are, I, don't, I don't have to have the answers to know that God is good. God's blessed me, and He'll continue to bless you know those who who uh, trust in Him. But but if you haven't seen and yet you have believed, you're even more blessed, and there's some comfort in that because hey, I've got that advantage. I haven't seen you know not in the tangible sort of way, but I do. But I, as I trust in Him, I start to see more in the evidence in my life as He blesses me. Daniel trusted God, prayed regularly and was eventually sentenced to what seemed like certain death for living in faith. God saved Daniel from death, but even if he had not, Daniel's faith was not dependent on the outcome of his circumstances. It had more to do with his familiarity with God's character. Now it's time to kind of be... Sort of talk about myself, a little confessional sort of thing. My life has not been threatened by others for exercising my faith. Yet I still struggle to spend enough time with God each day. I'm like, I don't have the obstacles that some of these people in the Bible have. But I still struggle. So what is it? Nobody's threatening my life. My struggle is not against physical enemies. You know, people plotting my death. But it's with myself it's with my own selfishness, my, my, amount of self-control. You know, um, I am the reason for the distance in my relationship with the Father God, the Son and the Holy Spirit. He's eagerly standing at the door knocking, wanting to get to know me better. And I find myself too often rolling over in my bed under my covers Wanting five more minutes of sleep. So if you can identify with that, you know, we need need prayer. We need to pray to God and say, God, sometimes I don't want to spend time alone with you. you Just confess that. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes it's not fun to read through certain passages of Numbers and, you know, I'm just like, I, I just don't feel like it. But when I do, when I go through it and I and I and I make that sacrifice, um, <clears throat> God blesses me, and I never regret it. So I'm going to close in, in prayer, and if you um, if you can identify with that, and just you know let your heart also pray with mine as I as I close in prayer. And then um, and may God help us to get a picture in our mind of. What he wants for us as individuals When Where And how much time to spend with him On a daily basis Where can you do that What is the time that you're Uninterrupted Maybe you have a 15 minute break Maybe you have a lunch break at work um, Maybe you've got kids running around is there, It's only when you're sitting in the bathroom I don't know You've got to get creative um, But let's, let's pray Lord God, you are the the author of each of us and of all creation. You know what our struggles are. You know what our hang-ups and our doubts and our issues of self-control and, and focus. You know how distractible we are as men. And sometimes we're just kind of stuck in... In guilt of like, well, I'm I'm just not really living up to the standard that I, I even wanted for myself. Let alone thinking about what God's perfect standard is. And Lord, we we humbly come to you and say, help us to thirst for you more, and help us to to set a small enough goal that we can do every day, and let our thirst and our hunger grow, that our spiritual appetite would flourish. And then not only we would be blessed, but our families, our workplaces, and the community at large around us. When each of us gets a thirst and a hunger for you on our own, that we spend time with, with you as Daniel did, our world's going to be changed. And your kingdom will expand, and you'll be glorified. And that's ultimately what we want and if not, what we want to want. Just remind us that you're standing at the door knocking, and we don't have to have much time taken out of the day to just get to know you a little bit better. Bless our efforts, Lord, and give us a picture of of how you would like to meet with us in a way that's most effective for us to establish godly habits.